Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Elizabeth Bachman on the line. Elizabeth, how are you? I am fabulous. I'm so excited to be talking to you, Michael. Likewise. Uh, you've got a diverse career, and you know, we'll dive into that a little bit. But uh, I guess the best question to ask is, you know, what are you doing lately? So give the audience a little bit of background around you and then you know, what you're working on today. Well, I was an international opera director for 30 years, directing people like Luciano Pavarotti, Placido Domingo, and everything from the big, big stars down to teenagers going on stage for the first time ever. I also ran a small opera company internationally, and now I'm using the skills I learned in 30 years in the performing arts to help business professionals be better presenters. And uh, what I'm finding is that I'm working a lot with women, helping them be heard. Uh, I speak in Silicon Valley and nationally and internationally. I work in Europe a lot. And I'm really working on these days on how do you present yourself, use the presentation skills that you might use to give a speech to help yourself be heard within a meeting. So if, if there are people who say you're, you're a, an executive, you've got a seat at the table, but you're still not being listened to, it turns out that the same skills you use to help an audience respond to a speech will help your colleagues pay attention to you. And this is really fun and interesting and exciting and producing really great results. I can imagine, and I, we could probably spend a whole day talking about the opera background and, and what it was like to work with uh, those amazing human beings that, you know, even those that don't pay any attention to opera music, um, I'm, you know, I, I love classical music and opera, so I definitely know who they are. Uh, but even, you know, the novice individual knows, you know, what it's like to work with those people. But I think more importantly right now is, you know, the work that you're doing now and how it pivots to you know, what we're dealing with at the time of this recording because we're in the middle of a, at least I hope it's the middle of a, a pandemic. And communication and, and speaking is such a huge huge issue right now for for people, especially when you're communicating with your teams and other people in a virtual way instead of face-to-face in many cases? Well, there are are lots of techniques that can be used to get people to to pay attention. And um, one of the things is you have to work a little bit harder on Zoom or on a video call because you don't have people physically in the room. So if they're actually checking their Facebook feed on the side, you can't catch them at it, which means that you have to be interesting and you have to get people engaged. And that's a big part of what I do. The other piece is that the networking events that we all used to go to where you would meet people and you'd say, oh, hey, I know someone you should know. Let's set up a connection. 
these are happening online now, which means that if you've got 50, 70, 100 people on a call, you'd better be the speaker or one of the panelists or you won't be noticed. So the other piece of what I'm doing, I'm helping corporate women be heard within the company. And then part two of it is to get them out there speaking on panels, webinars, information calls. I mean, it doesn't have to be a full keynote speech. Even being on a panel is an important piece because the more you speak, the more you gain credibility. And the more you show yourself as a thought leader, the more your uh, the more your value to your company rises. And if you're one of the people whose company has folded then or whose job disappeared because departments were downsized, then being out there speaking is a great strategy for showing how valuable you are and why you should be hired. That's especially as we're going into an economic, as we're in the middle of uh, record high unemployment. The good thing is, as long as you can still afford to keep your internet going, you can be out there showing your value, promoting your visibility, showing people that you are someone to, be, to follow, someone to hire, or if you're within a company, somebody to promote. There's incredible tips on that because I, and, and I've seen it in my own career where, you know, speaking and getting out there and talking on panels in front of audiences of small, medium, and large, just to share the message and, and honing your craft and getting comfortable with it because you've heard people are fearful of public speaking. And, you know, and I've shared this story before on a couple episodes where I was in that boat until I was in college and came down with chicken pox at age 21, which was not mm-hmm. pleasant uh, to Ouch. say the least. And, and I certainly didn't look pleasant. I know that for a fact. Uh, it, it, at the end of the day, I was in a class and I had to give a presentation. I think it was a business writing course, if I recall. Uh, but I ended up having to miss my week of presentation because I was quarantined because of the chicken pox. So I get out of quarantine and I go back into class and, the prof- and I contacted the professor and I said, okay, I'll give it next week if that's okay. And they made arrangements for it. So I walk in the class, the professor looks at me and then pulls me to a side and they said, if you want to delay this another week until you look a little bit better. Um, I'm okay with that. And at that point, I'd been practicing my speech and rehearsing it and all that. I was ready to do it, even though I despise speaking publicly. And I looked at him and I said, you know what, let's do it and get it over with. So I did. And afterwards, I got a standing ovation. Now, the speech wasn't that good. I'll be completely honest. It wasn't that great. But the standing ovation was for me going up there looking the way that I did and being brave to be able to face people looking really bad. And at that point, I realized if I can speak in front of an audience with my face completely swollen and looking like a 13-year-old teenager with a really bad acne breakout, (laughs) then, then I can speak anywhere and won't have to worry about it. So that was my breakthrough. Now, I don't wish that upon anybody to have to get shingles or, or any type of uh, chicken pox or anything else in order to break through that fear of speaking. But 
it's one of those things where it gives you a platform and you and you've mentioned it before where it establishes you as a thought leader in what you're talking about and in times like now where the economic situation is not pleasant for many it gives you an advantage to be able to segue into a variety of different opportunities if you're open to it yeah and one of the things that i always feel is if there's something odd about the way you look. People do judge your looks first. Um, and it, it could be a chicken pox or an injury or, um, or you might be from a different ethnic background as your listeners. Uh, you might be from a non-dominant culture speaking to a dominant culture. Then say something and acknowledge it. Mention, it, just acknowledge it and get it out of the way. Because if you don't, people are always going to wonder. It also applies to if you've got, if you want to say something controversial or something challenging, mention it and think about, uh, think about what the yeah, but thoughts might be. That's a big part of what I teach is you have your teaching, you have the, the point you want to make, and then think about what the automatic pushback is going to be, the yeah, but, and Make sure that you have a sentence or two to say, now you might be thinking, here I am with chicken pox, I should have waited, but I, you know, but I wanted to do this, this, and this, or this, the thing I want to talk about is so important, I'm coming in front of you in my, um, in my post-chicken pox face, something like that. It was, yeah, it was such a powerful moment for me, and I remember afterwards, one, I was relieved that I was finished with my talk. But secondly, I, I recognized then, even at an early age, that you know that was a pivotal moment in my life. And it gave me the confidence. And I don't remember when my next speaking engagement was. I'm sure I gave a presentation at some point uh, back then. Uh, but I, I know that I no longer have that apprehension. It's more excitement now it's you know, nervousness you know you you want to give a, a good talk and especially for an audience you want to make sure that you're there and present you know your stuff and thankfully you know i've, I've learned over the years that the different ways to engage it and i love how you you talk about making sure that you have their arguments already in mind so you can properly discuss them and, and bring yeah. along some different observations around it not in a confrontational way but acknowledging, okay, there's differences of opinion on this matter. Here's the objections. Okay, this is our solution around or through the objections, uh, which then entices buy-in. And, of course, the end result with any talk is to impact those individuals' lives and get them to take action on something, whether it's motivating them to address their burnout or to lose weight or to initiate this new project that will grow the business or winning a new client. There's all kinds of different things. So everyone is on stage all the time when they're doing any type of presentation, whether it's in a meeting, coffee shop discussion, on a big stage, or on a Zoom call. I did a whole podcast episode about dealing with objections. And one of the things, so I should have also say, I'm the host of the podcast, Speakers Who Get Results. And I interview all sorts of experts about how to use presentation skills to get the result you want. And then I do 
solo episodes on specific things such as dealing with objections. Actually, I did that because the clients were asking and I said, okay, I'll just do a podcast episode about it. But one of the points is address the little concerns that are just catching people's attention so that they go away and then they can listen to the main point that you're trying to make. And the mistake that so many speakers make is they may address concerns, but they may wait until until the very end. Or if it's a, a sales situation and they're doing a speech to uh, pitch their company or make a sale, get investors, they may wait until the investor objects before saying, ah, we have an answer for that. But if the objector, if the the listener is thinking about the objection all the way through, they're not necessarily paying attention to the rest of what you want to say. So it just smooths the way, I think. Exactly. And I, I love how you do that because if you don't address the objection early on, their ears are closed through the entire presentation. And you can exactly. have a solution for those people that they've desperately been looking for for a long time, but they won't hear it because they're going to be focused on how they have an objection to what you're saying instead of it being addressed at the end and all this, everything's done. And unless you have your slide deck or presentation with every word you say, there's a lost opportunity there. So when there's an elephant in the room, you know, bring it out. And, and deal with it because it, it will make huge, huge uh, accomplishments in, in your career and any endeavor that you want in life if you address it early on. I love your approach on that. So what are some common mistakes you see uh, with people that do any type of presentations uh, that, um, you, that you work with to help them correct it, to you know, get a better you know, footing basically on, on what they're presenting? Uh, The three biggest mistakes I see are, um, first of all, not knowing who you're speaking to and what you want them to do. So if you can, you can waste a lot of time by speaking to the wrong audience, or you might be speaking to the right audience, but you're not addressing what they want. I have a lot of people say, yes, but they need, they need X but they're showing up because they want why. So you have to make sure that you address that before you tell them what they actually need. The second one is too much how, not enough why. And, and you know, that is, that is sales 101. It's the first rule of sales is sell the benefits, not the features, sell the sizzle, not the steak. But that if you are really interested and excited about what it is that you do, even though you know that, it's really easy to get off onto how we're going to do this or how, I do, how I'm going to help you, how we do this, that, and the other, which is not, that's really for a one-on-one conversation. It's not right for a speech, a presentation. And the thing that, the way I find that helps the most is to focus on the end you're trying to reach. Basically, you build your speech backwards. You reverse engineer it from what you're going to ask them to do and work backwards. And if you think of your speech as counting down to where you're going to end, then 
it's much easier to not go off on a tangent because you know how you know the clock is ticking down. And then the third one is either being boring or pushy. You know, we've all seen speakers who are pushy or boring or bland, shall we say. And that's the presentation style, the delivery style, because only 7% of what people perceive about you comes from your words. And the other 93% is how you deliver it, how you look, how you speak, your charisma, your connection, all of that. And chicken pox would be part of that 93%. So that's a, that's a very important thing to think of. Yeah, I think too. You know, going back to and and I love the you know design your speech with the end in mind first, and and then work backwards because then what you're doing, just like in any negotiations, you want the client or the audience to be positive and saying yes and agreeing with what you're saying as you're leading them to an action item. Which with every talk, there should be an action item other than uh, otherwise it's just going to be just you know, information only no action and great we'll file it away and never address it again and that, that's not the purpose of of any type of presentation that you're doing you want the audience to take action whether it's to do something better in their lives to work with you on something to buy something from you whatever the case may be so design it that way and you build in those yes moments throughout the presentation and then at the end psychologically, you know, they've been nodding and saying yes a lot. So when you go for the action item to say, would you like to work with me? They've already been saying yes so much that their brain, it's going to be a hard shift for their brain, quite frankly, to go no, because they've been saying yes all along. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, sales techniques, anybody that, and I I see this a lot, especially with, you know, young entrepreneurs and, and new business owners where, they say they they don't like sales. I'm like well, you, you don't want to eat, you know? <laughs> why why do you why do you despise it? And you know, there's that connotation that you know sales is is sleazy in some situations. But in most cases, as a good colleague of mine says, you know, selling is serving. You're serving your audience by wanting something that's best for them. Do anything you do, a presentation or not, your your interest should be what's in it for the audience. How can this make their lives better or their business better? And when you go about it from that approach, um, success is, is not necessarily guaranteed, but it's, it's definitely uh, going to be a lot easier for you to accomplish what you want with, with your talk. Absolutely. It's very it's important. And selling is serving. If, if you're selling, speaking to sell, then the other thing I think is memorize your beginning and memorize your ask, your offer, because those are the places where you're most likely to be nervous. So as you do that, um, work on it, uh, work on it to, to uh, if you're aiming for that, you know it's coming, then you always want to make sure that you're leaving time to make your ask. And we never know if we're, say, they tell you you've got, 30 minutes and then the person in front of you, ahead of you runs late or there's a technical problem and they say, oh, guess what? You only have 10 minutes. You always want to make sure that you you have the time to do your best point and your ask. 
even if you have to uh, compress something earlier in your speech. I love that because, and I actually had a, a situation with that, which was the reverse. I was giving a presentation at an HR conference a few weeks ago, and originally it was supposed to be a 45-minute talk with 15-minute Q&A uh, on the subject that I was presenting. And I asked, again, it, and I probably should have done this earlier, uh, I said, okay, just confirm you know, that we have you know, 45 minutes uh, for the presentation and 15 you know, for Q&A because the original calendar invite they sent me was an hour. And then they sent a second one, which was 90 minutes, and I didn't put the two and two together until – you know, just before the talk, and they said, no, actually, we have you, this is an expert insight, so we have 90 minutes. So here I am, literally five minutes before the talk. Going, <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, I'm going 45 to basically a 75 and 15 Q&A. And I said, no problem, because I know with my talk, I can do it in eight minutes, or I can do it in 75 minutes. And exactly, I, and it's like you said, it's the it's the it's the putting in the middle. It's the pieces in the middle. Those are all, you know, puzzle pieces. I can put them in. I can take them out. I can add stories. I can remove stories. I can, you know, steer it however I need to steer it. Uh, but yeah, the beginning and the end uh, and the ask is is important. And you you have those down, and you know the stories that you want to share with what you're talking about. If you know those. Yes, you want to rehearse and practice and, and refresh, especially if you don't do it a lot, but you definitely want to make sure that you have the beginning and the end rock solid because the middle stuff, Let and I always tell this to people, and they, they, they look at me kind of funny, but it's like the audience, unless you gave them your script, is not going to be aware if you added something or forgot something. Unless you're giving a list, unless you're giving a list of like one to ten, and you completely skip six through eight, then they're going to be wondering because their notes are going to say, what about six through eight? So uh, pro tip, don't give numbers. Just say, okay, here's some tips. And if you get through all of them, great. If you miss a few, well, you know, they, they, they may or may not recognize that. But that, that's, that's something I learned along the way. I sometimes I end up adding tips that I didn't even have on my notes. I'm like, where'd that come from? But that's another story for another day. So in, in closing, what are some key and we've talked about a bunch today, but what are some key points that uh, people should really focus on when you know they're going to do any type of presentation, whether it's asking for a raise or a job promotion or presenting to a client or, or speaking on a stage? What are some key things that you feel if people would do this a little bit better, then uh, there would be more success in their careers? I've got two thoughts. Uh, rule number one is... Make it about them. You want to make sure that your audiences are, uh, it's, you're speaking to the people in a way that they can hear you. Uh, this is why uh, so much of the work I do is about women who, helping women who have a seat at the table but still aren't being listened to. What we do is we pay attention to who's not listening and how do they need to be heard? How do you need to address them in a way that they're ready to hear it? And that's, there are many, many techniques around that. So it's what, do, what are they looking for? How can you benefit them? How would saying yes to you benefit them? Let's put it that way. 
And then secondly, the reason why it makes sense, why it really behooves you to invest in being a good presenter is because any presentation you make where you really need to get a, you need and want a result is a sales speech. And sales is like sex. Nothing happens till somebody gets excited. Exactly. And that's a great way to wrap up our conversation. So Elizabeth, where can people find out more about you and this awesome work that you're doing? Well, a good way to find out if you're going on your presentation skills is to take my free four-minute assessment, which is at speakforresultsquiz.com. That's www.speakforresultsquiz.com. Take the quiz, and that's where you can see where you are really rocking your presentation skills and where you might need a little support. And if you're interested, you can get a free conversation with me to discuss the results to see what you're doing well and where you might need to pay some attention. And the other thing is my podcast is called Speakers Who Get Results, and you can find us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, or you can find it on my website, which is elizabethbachman.com. I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. So Elizabeth, great talking with you today. Thank you for all these awesome tips. I've taken notes and I know that the audience is going to be writing down some things, you know, to make their presentations much stronger than they've been before. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the breakfast leadership show, part of the breakfast leadership network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.